Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PFN Betting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Lewis. Hope you've had a good day of betting for uh, for today on Sunday for uh, week four of the NFL. I'm joined by betting and fantasy analyst Kyle Sapi. Kyle, I see you're struggling with the hiccups right now, but uh, besides that, how are you? Man, these hiccups, man, they never come at a good time. Like, yeah, doing nothing on my couch, nothing. Come on the air, hiccups for days. So this might get a little awkward, but I'm doing good. Sunday was fun. We I'm, This week started with my Packers just getting blown out of the out of Lambeau, getting the brakes beat off them on Thursday night. So we've been able to turn it around, and I'm looking to end the week on a high note on this Monday nighter. Yeah, I had a rough go with that game as well. I definitely had Packers on the spread for that one, and uh didn't go well, but you can't win them all. No. Had a good day today, though. My Eagles really made me sweat it out, and over time, really had the softest coverage possible. No kidding. On Sam Howell, it's just the bend don't break defense that broke. And but luckily, Ron Rivera was too much of a coward to go for two at the end of regulation. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought he was. Too. I thought he'd go for it. His excuse was a little weird that the the guys were exhausted because that goes both ways, and it's I feel like it's easier to get two yards than to stop a team from going from getting two yards. And if you're exhausted, I don't exactly want to play another quarter and over. Yeah, that's another good point, too. That really doesn't make any sense. And if there's anyone less least deserving of a nickname, it's Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. Riverboat, really isn't yeah. an aggressive coach. <laughs> Not anymore. But uh, let's get into the final game we have remaining for this week. We only have one Monday Night Football game, unfortunately. I've, I got really used to having the double headers, but is what it is. We've got the Seattle Seahawks visiting to New York Giants. The spread is down to, or is up to, excuse me, Seattle is a two-point road favorite. The total opened at 45. Now it's up to 47 and a half. Another week, another game they're going to be missing for the Giants, both Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. But last time they didn't have them, they only had four days for repair. This time they'll have 10 days for repair, and they won't be going on the road. And they're the reigning coach of the year, and Brian Dayball, good OC, and Mike Kafka. But before we get into picks, do you, is there anything you're eyeing with the spread or total or anything? I mean, the total was jumped out to me. Like you said, it, it's been moving up as the week has gone. And it looked high to me at first, but then the further I dug into it, like I get it. Like all the defensive metrics kind of suggest that we're going to have some, I don't want to say fireworks because that's not exactly what I think of a Geno Smith versus Daniel Jones battle here. But I kind of get it. I think there's going to be points, and I think that's good for overbetters. Forget the point total, but as far as props, same game parlays, like a lot of overs kind of kind of check the boxes for me, and that's kind of the direction I'm going. If I have to pick a winner, it'd be Seattle on the money line. I'm not messing with the points, and this game could get weird. So if I'm picking a winner, it would be money line with Seattle. Which way would you lean? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Know, I do agree there could be a little bit more offense that we expect. I mean, the Giants' offenses looked horrible. But two of their three games have come against the Cowboys and the 49ers, which are two yeah. of the undisputed top five defenses in the NFL. And that's probably being conservative. They're probably the top three along with the Browns. And they did have that really inspiring win, comeback win in week two. It was against Arizona, but Arizona's a little better than we thought. So maybe that comeback's a little better than we thought. And like I said earlier, short week traveling to San Francisco, that's almost as hard as it gets in the National Football League. But I would probably lean with you two on Seattle, if anything, just because I just think they're flat out the better team. I, those These two teams were mm-hmm. power ranked pretty similarly going into the season as two wild card teams from last year, two surprise wild card teams. I was a lot higher on Seattle than consensus, a lot lower than Giants in consensus. So I feel like I got to stick to my 
preseason guns here, if anything, by taking the Seahawks. But I'm with you. Nothing really stands out. But I could see a bounce back spot offensively for the Giants. Seahawks pass defense, mm -hmm. second to the worst, and a success rate in defending the air defending passes this year behind the Broncos, who gave up 70 points. These are the stats going into this week. So it's coming off their 70 point loss last sure. week. So that's pretty glaring to say the least. But at the same time, Daniel Jones is um doesn't really have much working with him tonight with no Thomas, no Barkley, and his wide receiver core. So we're pretty much in agreement that we lean on the spread of anything here. We both think there might be more offense than originally expected as we've seen a total go up two and a half points are there any uh, player props you're eyeing for this one yeah i mean i'm looking at the primary pass catcher for both teams here we've got two of the five worst third down defenses two of the five worst yards per play defenses so it backs what we're thinking here and these both offense both of these offenses excuse me rank ahead of the league average in pace of play so we're gonna get we're gonna get possessions here we're gonna get points that means passes even if the Giants don't want to pass the ball a ton, their guy is Darren Waller, leads them across the board. And then you've got DK Metcalf on the other side. Like the Giants blitz a ton and don't create a lot of pressure. That gives DK time to operate in single coverage, get open. Both of their catch totals right now at four and a half. DK's juiced a little bit. I don't mind paying the juice. I don't mind putting them together. You get plus, plus 270 over there on DraftKings. If you put those two together, they both get five catches. If this game's going up and down and even approaches 50 points like the wise guys are thinking, I have a hard time thinking those two don't get to five catches. Cash is 270. If you want to play them separate, I don't mind that. DK is minus 160 to get the five catches. So, you know, you got to lay a little bit there, but... I think it hits. And um, you talking about parlaying those two player props. That's a nice tease for a same game parlay article for tonight's game, yeah. which will drop, which would be out as this podcast drops in the morning. I'm on a similar thinking of you here that I think there's going to be a lot of passing in this one. I think Jones for this, they're going to really scheme him to get the ball out really quickly on those design rollouts, short, quick passes. This Giants offensive line, as we know, is one of the worst in the league, especially they don't have Andrew mm -hmm. Thomas. They're going against a Seahawks pass rush. That's, I believe, fourth in pass rush win rate so far this season, according to ESPN.com. So that's a pretty big, big mismatch, to say the least. And Jones have to get the ball out quick. But I don't know which receiver is going to be the beneficiary there. Yeah, I, I did that. like Paris Campbell <laughs> as being that guy because he's a very low A dot, like to get him the okay. ball. But they don't have any player props for him at the moment. So instead of trying to find who the beneficiary is in the situation, why don't we go the other direction? Who's going to be the odd man out? And I think that's Darius Slayton for the Giants. Because okay. Darius Slayton, he's really he's really primarily just a deep threat. He leads a team at ADOT by far at 14 and a half, which is five more yards than next closest player in Waller. And he really just isn't that move the chain type of receiver. So I got his under ready for catches at three and a half at minus from 45 at DraftKings. A little bit of juice, okay. but it's at two and a half at FanDuel when I saw it. So that made me feel good about getting that number, thinking there's the markers are turned in that direction. And Another prop, player prop I like for this one that kind of correlates to our thinking is Daniel Jones over 20 and a half completions. He's gone over his number two okay. out of three games so far this season besides that Dallas game. But I think me and you both aren't expecting a 40 nothing shutout loss in this one for the Giants. No. So if anything, I could see the thing with Jones is in his breakout year last year, he was pretty efficient moving the football, but he, he – just really didn't move the ball down the field. They're pretty much those quick, easy throws on rollouts. You got to give a lot of credit to Brian Dable and Mike Kafka for scheming up this offense and maximizing what they have with Daniel Jones rather than making something he's not. And I think they're going to really play into that here. Like I said earlier, 
These are this is a very good coaching staff. They have 10 days of rest at home coming off the loss last week. Last week, they might not have been as prepared to be without both Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. And this one, they've had more time to prepare without them and know really how to uh, get the ball moving on offense without their two best players. Yeah, and I think what you're doing there with correlating your picks makes a lot of sense. If you're going to fade Slayton, that means a lot of short, shallow passes, the low dot stuff, like you said. And if you're doing that in a high-scoring game, that's a lot of completion. So I like where you're headed there. And as far as Slayton goes, he could hit on a big player too. But those big plays are scoring plays. They flip the possession. So if he hits on one of those, it gives the ball back to Seattle, which makes his catch total a tough one. And then I'm not even sure he's getting all the deep looks because Jalen Hyatt is there in New York. So I, I like where you're headed there. Three and a half is a big number. It doesn't sound big, especially in a game that we think is going to be higher scoring, but he just doesn't, he's not a volume guy, like you said. And I, I like where, if Dan, I don't think you could, I think it's very unlikely you would lose both those bets. Yeah. If, if Slayton's going crazy, then at least he's piling up completions for Daniel Jones. I think there's a decent chance you hit both and not, uh, obviously, a far better chance that you hit both and lose both. So I like how you're kind of stacking your cards. No, back. I totally agree with you there. I was eyeing Daniel Jones' rushing over at 34 and a half, yeah. but everyone got burned by that last week against the Niners. I think he was pretty similar to this one. They got to move the ball somehow offensively, and Jones would be that guy. Is there any interest on you in his rushing over, or do you think that's kind of a similar trap to last week? No, yeah, check out the same game parlay. We're going with him and Gino. I think could both hit their overs in rushing. We've got high pressure teams or high blitz teams that don't get a lot of pressure. So if you're bringing extra defenders and they just have to get through, I think it could happen. For Daniel Jones, you get the upside of one big run. I don't think you get that with Gino as much, but the the number's a lot lower. So if Danny Dimes can get like a 20, 25 yard rush in there somewhere, I think there's going to be enough designed runs. You mentioned Dayball's creativity. They're going to scheme up some. I don't think the schemes get him to 35, but if he can he can move around, like I said, Seattle brings some pressure, and these two teams do get up and down. So if there's enough possessions in there, and I I sure as hell don't trust Matt Breida to run no. the ball, so there's options there, RPOs, things like that. I think they can be creative, get Danny Dimes up to maybe 40 or 50 rushing yards. I think it's definitely in play and has my attention. No, I'm with you there on Matt Breida, especially in this matchup with uh... – Weakness of the Giants' O-line and the strength of the Seahawks' D-line in front seven. So far this season, through three games, the Seahawks are seventh and run deep in success rate. So that hasn't bode well for a pretty underwhelming backfield in Matt Breida. And I'm even blank on his backup's name right now. Behind Breida? Oh, man. Um, Hang on. It doesn't very matter. Well, I mean, at the end of the day. Well. Yeah, they last... That's what Yeah, he's just very uninspired. That's just a very uninspiring backfield without Saquon, to say the least. And I, I think at this one, they could be playing from behind. But who knows? They're at home. But at the same time, me and you don't feel too strongly on the sides here. So let's recap our picks. We both lean with the Seahawks minus two. Both lean the over 47 and a half. You like the overs for both DK Metcalf and Darren Waller receiving. DK is at 16 and a half right now at DraftKings. Darren Waller's at 48 and a half at DraftKings. I like the under for Darius Slayton receptions at three and a half and Daniel Jones over 20 half completions. And I'll be checking out the books throughout the day, seeing they offer those Paris Campbell props. And if they do at a number, they'll pop up. I'm trying to think what number am I going to have to pounce at? At two and a half? Receptions? Yeah. I I bet you get uh, three and a half seasons. They'll probably give you. 
Three and a half might be easy, or it might be even money or plus money to take. It depends where they want to lay the juice. Either they'll give you a juice two and a half, or they'll give you even money three and a half, would be my kind of thought. Yeah, some perspective here. Paris Campbell, he has 11 catches for the season for 47 yards. <laughs> Just one of those. <laughs> well, 11's what? Three and a half a game? Yeah, one of those gadget players where it's like, let's get him the ball in space, but he just hasn't had much space to room work with. But that's yeah. that's a wrap for our Monday Night Football podcast. Um, we'll see you back on uh, Thursday night.